0: And welcome to the Shepherding Talk Podcast. This is Aaron Kempel. Glad to have you with us. Today's podcast is a discussion I had with Jordan Schaus about parenting. He did a lesson called Eight Things Every Kid Needs to Know Before They Leave Home. And so I'm going to share that discussion with you. He did a fantastic job. Here you go.
1: There's so much that our children need to know before they leave home. But there are some subjects that are crucial to who they become and the path that they choose. That if we want them to know them. We want them to understand those truths and to make those decisions. We have to start as early as we can, forming them in their lives. And so tonight we're going to look at some of the most crucial truths that God has laid forth in his word that we need to be busy teaching our children uh, before they leave home.
0: Amen. All right. Well, Jordan, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer,
1: and then you take off with your, your first section. Be glad to. Thank you. Wonderful God, you've given us this day. You've given us every good thing that we own, and we give you thanks. You are good to us, better than we deserve. Your grace is amazing. Your love is boundless. And we're so thankful for these times where we can open the word together, even though distanced uh, from where we live, but we can join together as brothers and sisters in Christ and draw closer to one another and closer to you. We ask you bless our time of study, and you help us to see something new and to draw closer to you. And we ask that from our time together tonight, Father, you will strengthen our homes, that we will be parents and grandparents who are making a difference for the next generation to come. Pray this to, uh, to you in the name of your son. Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead, bro. Well, I read uh, an article a couple of years ago. I remember where I first saw it, but it was called the 10 things your children need to know before they leave home. And that really caught my attention. And so I looked at the article because I wondered, I've got three kids. I thought, what do they need to know before they leave home? And there are some practical things on the list, like how to change a tire, uh, how to do your laundry, how to balance a, a checkbook is kind of an older uh, article, but balancing your finances. Uh, There's some really important things on there, like where to turn in times of trouble, uh, remembering that you're always loved by your parents and that you can always come home. The article suggested something I thought was, was really important. It, it caught my attention that there are certain things our children need to know before they leave home. And unless we teach them to them, it's not guaranteed they're going to learn it on their own. There are some things, if they're going to learn it, they will have been taught it along the way. And it seems to be supported through what we find in a few passages in scripture in the book of Joshua 24 and in verse thir- uh, 31. It says in Joshua 24, verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known the deeds of the Lord, which, uh, of the Lord, which he had done in Israel. And so Israel served the Lord, and they knew about the deeds of the Lord, and they knew about, about what God had done during the days of Joshua. But just two pages later in our Bibles, in Judges chapter 2. There's a really crippling verse in verse 10, where it says, all that generation were also gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Doesn't give us the specific commentary in terms of who really is at fault here. Uh, was it moms and dads or the priests and the leaders who didn't properly convey the truth to that next generation? That seems harder to believe when you look at Joshua and those of his, of his generation. Was it the fault of the children who just weren't listening? They didn't have hearts that were soft enough to receive the truth that were being told. We don't really know, but what we do know is that in one short generation, here is a group of people who quickly pursued the Lord and abandoned that faith of their, of their forefathers, the faith of the generation before them, and went to the way of the world. It impresses upon us the importance of teaching and instilling uh, with great confidence in the next generation things they need to know. As also taught in the book of Psalm 78, uh, Psalm 78, the book of Psalms and Psalm 78. The whole psalm really echoes this, but just the first few verses of Psalm 78 show this same principle. Psalm 78 in verse 1, it says, listen, O my people, to my instruction, incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in the parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from our children, but tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works, which he had done. It says down in in verse five, he says, "'For he, God, established a testimony in Jacob "'and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, "'that they should teach them to their children, "'that the generation to come might know "'even the children yet to be born, "'that they may arise and tell them to their children, "'that they should put their confidence in God "'and not forget the works of God, "'but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers. "'A stubborn and rebellious generation,' A generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So we see the opposite there. I'm going to see a a generation like the one after the one of Joshua. Don't, Don't follow in their footsteps. We're going to teach our children. We're not going to, did you notice down in that language in verse four, we're not going to conceal this truth from them, but we're going to make sure that there are some things that they know and they know for sure because we've taken the time to teach it to them. So that's really the point if we want our children to understand certain truths, certain crucial truths about life, about the choices they will make, uh, truths that will determine who they become and what they believe and and what path they follow, then we need to be all the more adamant and and all the more careful to make sure we are instilling these truths to, uh, to our children. So that got me thinking. The article was entitled 10 Things We Need to Teach Our Children. So I thought, all right, uh, if we were to write our own article and to apply it to spiritual things, what would make our list? What are the things that our children need to know regarding spiritual truths? And so I came up with with eight. This is not an inspired list. This is not God writing down, here's eight things you need to know. Uh, There's a lot more than eight that we need to know. But I came up with eight things that everyone needs to know before they leave home, especially regarding to the spiritual things. And so let's start with at least the first one and see where our time goes, and then we'll kind of engage in some back and forth conversations. I'd love to hear what you think at home about some of these uh, subjects we're going to talk about, or even some that I won't uh, bring up on this list that you would bring up. I'd love to have those and write those down. The first thing they need to know is the Bible. And I realize that's really broad. Uh, I realize that uh, when you say the Bible, there are 66 books, uh, thousands upon thousands of verses and people and stories. But I appreciate what that means when you say, I I want my children to know the Bible. I want them to understand, perhaps firstly, that this book is God's book. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, they need to know for certain that every single word comes from God and every single word is profitable, uh, is beneficial uh, to the equipping of every single person who reads and trusts in these words to be the men and women of God that he designed to be busy in good works. They need to know that. Uh, They need to know that this book, this this Bible, is words that they can trust and and rely on and lean on. Like a light to their path, Psalm 119 and 105 would say. Or it can sustain them in difficult times, like bread to the body, Matthew 4 and verse 4. It is our soul sustaining source of nutrients and guidance in this life. Knowing the Bible means knowing how to use this Bible and, and, and read this Bible and study this Bible. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, knowing how to rightly handle the Word of God. I'm not going to pick up the Bible and read Revelation like I would read Genesis that they're written differently. I'm not going to read the book of Job like I would read the book of Ephes- uh, Ephesians. That there's literally rules and, 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 and certain guidelines to follow when we are working through and trying to understand and interpret these books, and our children need to know that. They need to know how do you read the Bible, how do you study the Bible, and then, of course, most importantly, how do I take this ancient text and live it today? Isn't that the crucial truth? It's not just gaining information, it's information that produces motivation that results in transformation, being more like Jesus. It's that James one, I don't wanna just be a hearer of the word, I wanna be a doer. So one thing that our children need to to know and to have is a firm understanding and appreciation and trust and love for the word of God. That they are great students of the word, but they're people who live what they learn from the word of God. We're going to stop after the first one. I'm going to kick it back to you, Aaron, and then we'll pick up some more of these eight here in just a minute.
0: Okay. Great thoughts, Jordan. Uh, If you are with us on Zoom or Facebook, again, share your questions or comments uh, and we will do our best to get to those. Uh, Again, thanks to Ruben uh, Prevost behind the scenes doing the technicals and the producing. And so, uh, so as we think of, yeah, as what you're, as what you're talking about here, Uh, Jordan, I don't think we sometimes, I'll say we generally, especially as American Christian males, I'll I'll speak generically. We don't really realize how much power we have and how much influence we really Mm. have. And I know for myself, and I'll I'll zero it down to Aaron, there are times when I assumed things as a father, and that Mm. was not a good thing, right? Right. Um, they don't learn, they don't learn by osmosis. They have to be taught. And there is, there is that biblical mandate, as you said, and it's throughout the biblical story for the father to communicate God's will to the family. Mm. And there is such incredible power when that is done. I mean, even the, even the people of the world recognize the influence of the father's voice in the home. They Mm. recognize it's missing so you so know, you're, just you're just, getting just, ahead of me because uh i'm sorry i, there, won't, do, I won't say anymore no, no
1: no 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 yeah no there's a point I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll bring it up now because we might bring it up a little later uh yeah. there's this usc sociology professor who linked the transmission of faith and what successfully accomplishes the transmission of faith from one generation to the other he oh, said okay. it's love within <laughs> okay. the family he said it's love within the family But the main link is father. If you have a strong father who loves his children and loves his home, there is a strong link between the faith that existed in one generation to the other. Now, we know from Timothy, that's not necessarily always a a guarantee because there are some Mm -hmm. amazingly strong Mm -hmm. women who have made a, a tremendous difference. But to your point, there is something to be said about the role of a father instilling and teaching these truths to that next generation.
0: Yeah, and uh, just I, I guess I was thinking about what you'd said about um, I'm getting some kind of feedback of my voice somewhere, I don't know where, but um, you know there's just a great power in uh, that. like you said, we're not going to hide this from the next generation. Um, and so as you think mm-hmm. about the, the uh, communicating of God's word, um, that's something I was talking about Adam. You know the very first Adam was put in the garden, that's what I was preaching on Sunday morning. The very first Adam mm-hmm. was put into the garden to guard it he was to guard yes. it to protect it and and part of the protection was to stand on what god said and, and he says to to adam because you have not listened to me you've listened to your wife instead of, of me here's the consequences and so the man is standing mm. firmly in the home saying we're going to listen to what god said and and yeah. uh to be able to take the time how, whatever that looks like to spend that time with your children to share them with them those truths Um, They're just going to hear it differently from dad than from mom. So I won't say any more than that, but I I appreciate uh, your great thoughts. Um, Any, again, if you have any other comments or questions, Ruben, do we have anyone on Zoom that has a question or a comment?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I haven't seen any
0: questions in the chat window or anything like that. So, okay. And feel free, Ruben, if you have anything to, to jump in here.
1: I don't have anything at the okay. moment. So you guys, yeah, you guys keep going.
0: Okay, yes, sir. You got it. All right. Well, why don't you just take off and, and roll, uh, I almost said Reuben. Jordan with the next points.
1: Well, I will, we but I don't roll. know. I, I don't know the, I, the other eight. I don't, I don't know, know the, the other, other eight
0: points, man. Jordan, <laughs> just send them to me in a text message real quick
1: and we'll talk. <laughs> Here we go, buddy. That's right. <laughs> I'll tell you this. So the the idea of teaching something and suggesting it's gonna happen naturally. They're gonna learn something naturally. This doesn't even happen practically. Uh, One of my children, our younger two, I think it was my daughter, our youngest um, of the the three, uh, we told her to go brush her teeth uh, one evening. And I mean, it must've been 30 seconds later, she's back out. By by the time it took her to get to the bathroom and brush her teeth and come out, she must've only brushed them for 10 seconds. And it's kind of thought words. you've taught it before, and maybe you've talked to another child and you just assume at this point that maybe they're going to learn it at this point. And that's a dangerous thing to assume, right? Even something naturally like brushing teeth, which we have corrected and, and taught. Uh, but mm-hmm. things of that nature about how to live, how to function, how to do certain things that, that we take for granted every day. If it's true in those small areas, certainly we can see the value in making sure these greater truths uh They're just not going to naturally pick it up along the way. I'm going to make sure they knew know these things because we're taking the time to teach it, both moms and dads. So our second of the eight is Jesus. They need to know Jesus. And again, appreciate how how broad that is and what all could be encompassed and just that, Jesus, Uh, the person of Jesus, the son of God, uh, the son of man, uh, the conquering king, the lamb of God, uh, the the position of Jesus, how he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and overall, the, the purpose of Jesus, what he taught, his sermons and his message and his parables, um, his will and the father's will that he followed. You think about especially for our children understanding, what did he accomplish with Calvary? What, why was that so important? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to shed his blood uh, what, what did that mean for us and what difference does that make in our life? Why does Paul call this the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15 of utmost importance or first importance? If it's in first importance in the language of the Apostle Paul, it's got to be of crucial importance to us and to our children. Uh, why the cross? Why the resurrection? What makes the resurrection such a big deal? Why do they need to know that Jesus rose again? And what difference does that make? Paul kind of la- asked that question in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. If the resurrection didn't happen, what are the consequences of, of, such, a, of such a thing? Uh, who is Jesus to us today as our mediator and our priest and our Lord and our, our friend and our Savior? Uh, what are the, the costs, if you will, the demands of discipleship? Uh, What does it mean to follow Jesus, to to become more like him? That Luke 9, 23, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so they need to know Jesus. Who is Jesus? What has he done? And what difference does he continue to make in our lives? Number three is the church. They need to know about the church. Uh, what, What is the church? What is the difference between the universal church, the saved of all people everywhere, and then a local church, the saved people in a specific place with a specific function and purpose and, and oversight, uh, they, they need to know uh, what makes the church so important to Jesus. In Acts twenty twenty eight. why did Jesus die and shed his blood for the church? Why, why does Jesus place such, such an emphasis, an essential nature upon his church? And then what difference should the church make in our lives? Why is the church so important? Uh, they need to understand all the the functional applications of the church does it matter how a church is organized does it matter how we worship the lord today Uh, does it matter what work a church is is engaged in uh, and takes a part in and what role am i to play in the church well what what part do i play in the local congregation what can i even today as a young person do uh, to play my part in the local congregation that romans 12 that every part of the body has a function and so fulfill your part to fulfill your role and so what service can you offer what example can you shed in what ways can you be a blessing and encouragement to to the people of god uh, they need to understand uh, what paul would say in 1 corinthians 1 and verse 2 that this church of god those who are sanctified in christ jesus saints by calling there is an immense glory There's an immense importance that God sees in the church and our young people. Our our children need to see that too. The church is important and will always be important to Christ and, and thus must always be important to us as well. Number four is authority. And I know as soon as we say that, we yawn because we think, oh, not authority. They don't need to know authority. But there's something so important about understanding just the nature of what it means to live under authority. There's a question that was asked to Jesus. The the question wasn't asked honestly. The question was asked with with devious motives. But in Matthew 21, 23, when Jesus had come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you that authority? Even though they didn't really care for the answer, that they had ulterior motives. It is a great question. By what authority are you doing what you're doing? Who gave you the permission to do so, to act, to make this decision and this choice? It's teaching our children to appreciate roles and positions in life. And that's gonna be everywhere. That there is a role and a position in the classroom of a teacher and a student. There's a role and a position in the home of a parent and a child. There's a role and a position in, in the world around us in terms of governments and officials, even police and, and, and other uh, officials who are in charge. There's a role and a position in the local church of shepherds and even Bible class teachers. And ultimately, there's a role and a position in the world. God overall, God who is Lord, the Lord of Lord, Lord means master. And so with authority, we're teaching our children to understand and respect positions of authority, Uh, listening and obeying those who lay the law. That language of Colossians 3, verse 17, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, If God is silent, why is he silent? If, If God, the lawmaker, hasn't given us clear guidance on the matter, what should be our approach? What should be our response to, to said matters? And why does that matter? What are examples in scripture of people who disregarded God's, God's role in this world and place in this world and the laws that he has set forth? What happens when someone follows the law today? Um, what kind of people are we, are we supposed to be as people who listen and submit to God's laws? In fact, even uh, that Romans 10, 17, that confession that Paul says that we are, are making unto salvation Is not confessing that Jesus is the son of God. We are confessing Jesus as Lord. Why does that matter? Well, who's going to make the rules? Who determines who is the head of a home? Who determines what it is a church will or will not do or can and cannot do? What happens if we dismantle our understanding and respect for authority at any avenue of life? What you have is anarchy and chaos. It starts small. But we want to instill into our children what was instilled even in Adam in the very beginning, that there is a place and their position given by God, and his people are going to see it and to respect it. We reached another 10 minutes. You want to pause there and see if we have any thoughts? Aaron Rubin? Uh,
0: Sure. Uh, That sounds – let me see. Can you hear me okay? Did you early on on, uh, reference Psalm 11? I don't think you did. But about foundations, no, I had to I had to deal with something, and so I had to take my headsets off for a minute. I just want to make sure I'm not repeating some. Um, there's a there's a verse that I heard a long time ago that you know, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Mm-hmm. You know, Psalm 11:3. Yeah. And as you're talking, yes. I was thinking, you know, I just posted the first four things on the Facebook uh, the feed there. So in the comment section, you know, we have God's Word, Jesus, the Church, and authority. And you think, oh, this is this is so simple, exactly. This is the foundation. That's right. And and one of the things that I've been thinking and saying a lot lately is, you know, as we look at our culture today, America 2022, and, and I know you would agree with this, if we just followed the first few chapters of Genesis, we'd set, settle mm. most of our society's ills at this point. You know? Absolutely. And so I just, <laughs> I just think about that. And what you're setting in order here, I mean, what's that the foundation for? Well, that's the foundation for how I deal with, uh, other human beings. How do I treat them? You know, it's the foundation for my money. It's the foundation. Now you're going to talk about other things, but it's the foundations. Sure. It's setting, It's setting. It's setting the house on the right order, on uh, the right foundation. And uh, man, when we do that, and like you said, in a loving setting with a loving father, uh, yeah. or if a father's not there which, you know, or, or not there spiritually, which I understand the absence of a spiritual leader in the home, as far as a father, um, mom's going to take over, but we need to have those men who in Christ, like your dad, who he was for me, (laughs) you know, to, 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 to show the way and to help lay those foundations. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and man, when those foundations are set, you know, there's so many other things that just get dealt with pretty simply once we set the foundation. So I really appreciate how you're putting these in order. Um, Let's see. I don't see any comments on Facebook. Ruben, is there anything on Zoom? Um, Yes. So we just got a question in, or is it a question? I don't see a question mark. So I'm going to just say it's a comment. I haven't read it yet. But um, I'll just go ahead and read it out. It says, it's so very important that parents don't take a once taught, always taught approach to your list. Ah yes, this list should be reviewed continuously and deeper in meaning as kids get older, especially as they prepare to leave the nest. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's amen. Exactly right. Once taught, always taught. I love that. 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 I love the way that that they spun a phrase there. But um, you have any thoughts about that?
1: Boy, that's so true and i i'm sure there's some subjects we do that too maybe because we're uncomfortable you know we might label them as the talk and we will talk about them and hit on them and then avoid them like the plague again uh but that's just that's just not a good principle in general for anything in life but especially for these uh but to your point and i, and I love the ending of that comment um the more regular you're approaching these things as they are getting ready to leave home it's not going to be this mad rush to cram all this information before they're gone and hoping it lands. You've been sowing these seeds along the way, and it'll make that difference for when they're finally ready to go home.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. And, you know, I was thinking of Paul and Peter, and these are things I use because, you know, Peter says, this is the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Peter understood. Mm-hmm. They knew things, but I need to tell you again. <laughs> and, and Paul says, you know, for me to remind you of these things is not tedious. It is safe in Philippians three. So those are things that come to mind in connection to that comment. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I talked with them about, you know, sexual purity. Oh, wow. We're done with that. No, no. I, I mean, because well, I talked with them once about alcohol. Oh well, no, they get around their own crowd. I talked to them once about vaping. No, no. No, we're gonna to have to talked about a lot of these things and repeatedly i have to tell them to be forgiving i told them once you know <laughs> yeah no it's all the time all the time i love that so yes and it's it shouldn't be a drudgery right i mean these things shouldn't be burdensome it should be a joy um, for us and you know as we're trying to help them you know sometimes it gets tiresome naturally but sure. it should, we shouldn't view it as oh i gotta tell them again well that that, that shows our, maybe our heart has some issues and not the child.
1: <laughs> well, and to that point, sometimes we might think these subjects are so weighty, we need to wait till they're a little older uh, to address these with our mm. children. And I think that's a mistake. Mm. Uh, even some of these we, we've already talked on, you can introduce them conceptually to your children as, as a young uh, and, and their youth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the older they get, you just add in the layers of depth. You just lower those nets a little bit more and more. Uh, and it's not going to be strange for them to understand the deeper concepts because you've already set the framework as a child.
0: That's right. How many times, Jordan, I mean, you just think about in your life as a dad, as a preacher, just observing mm-hmm. people. And then I'm sure the same for Ruben. How many times have you been absolutely blown away by the understanding of a four-year-old?
1: More than I, mean, I can count.
0: Yeah. It, you how did they get, well, they're incredibly brilliant. God made them that way and they're perceptive <laughs> and they're, they're wise. I mean, for their age, Whoa, my land. So yeah. Um, that's, that's not take that for granted. I really appreciate that point. Um, okay. So, uh, I don't have anything on Facebook here, so why
1: don't you just take off and keep rolling. All right, we're rolling on. Uh, and I appreciate that. Appreciate the comments and the thoughts. Uh, and again, uh, maybe at this point, if you review, so the eight things we've come up with, the four so far are the Bible, Jesus, the church, and authority. If you think to a lot of the issues young people face and wrestle with, especially spiritually, they begin with something of these four. Uh, either they're not reading the Bible to know God's will or respect God's will, uh, they have lost their sight and appreciation of Jesus. Uh, they have uh, separated themselves from what took place on Calvary to, to find the conviction to keep us from sin or the grace to bring us back from when we have fallen. Uh, there seems to always be a wrestling of of the importance in the church in our lives, especially when a child leaves home and they go off to college, uh, pursuing a local church and being becoming a part of that church and making sure that church is a church that uh, like Ephesians 3 and verse uh, 21, that it's a church that brings glory and honor to God, not about pleasing and entertaining men and or even authority, just respecting God's rules and his boundaries and his guard uh, guardrails. That's where a lot of this fits in is these first four. Uh, the rest of what we're going to talk about is still very important, but they find their foundation off of these four. And so hopefully that will uh Show us where we're going and why those first four are so very important. Number five, the fifth thing that our children need to know before they leave home is relationships. Uh, Because the Bible will discuss, uh, sometimes at great length, every relationship you and I will have from here to our journey uh, home, to our journey to heaven. Let's think about it. The very first relationship they have is a child to a parent, and the Bible talks about our relationship as children to the parents. Ephesians 6 talks about honoring and obeying our parents. Uh, It talks about our relationship with our siblings. We might look at that in terms of story, maybe some stories not to repeat, a Jacob and Esau or Joseph and his brothers sort of story. It talks about our relationship with our friends, especially in the Proverbs. There has a lot to say about the sort of friends that we associate with and those we we ought not. There's talk about our relationships with, with dating and those who we pursue and the pursuit of purity and keeping marriage honorable in Hebrews 13 and verse 4, and then even marriage itself. So much of the Bible uh, talks about marriage, either in terms of stories illustrating God's truth or just straight up truth, right? Ephesians 5, is, it's just a beautiful illustration. God's, uh, Christ's relationship with his people, the bride, but that, what that shows us about what God expects out of our marriages as husbands and wives, uh, there's relationships between us and we, those we work with. Uh, while it's not exactly the same, the master to slave instructions find some principles that are very relatable to our employee and employer relationships we have today. And then, of course, there's relationships with our brethren and, and relationships with the shepherds. In terms of submission and following and guidance, there's a lot to be said about our relationships with one another and how to maintain and, and thrive in these relationships. That means talking about things like grace, uh, kindness, patience, uh, things such as uh, long-suffering sometimes with some people. There, there's the principles given in First Peter chapter 3 when he says in verse 8, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for I- insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Children need to know that. They, they need to know early on about relationships, that relationships matter to God and relationships, relationships will matter to us. It's been said before many different ways, the people that we surround ourselves with will in many ways determine the kind of people we become in the future. That's true. Friendships, it's true. Marriage, it's true in, in a lot of different degrees. And so we need to know about the importance of, of maintaining and keeping good godly relationships in our lives and allowing the word of god to direct us in there Uh, you think about you think about how many how many friendships how many churches how many uh, workplace dynamics have all been ruined because we've not followed the guidance of what god has said in his word about just maintaining proper relationships with one another so that's number five number five is relationships number six is choices uh, life choices Again, it's broad, but appreciate what that means when you talk about the choices that one makes. There's a statement in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, which says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Essentially, what Moses is saying here is that every choice you make matters, so choose wisely. That's really important. It's important to learn early on. Uh, the New Testament equivalent might be Galatians 6 or 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also reap. That principle that God instilled into this world, that if you sow an action, you will reap a consequence. And it could be really good or it could be really bad. Uh, our choices matter. They start small, like friendships and relationships. But you think of some of the practical applications of the choices that we make. Uh, You you think of the habits. You think about what the word of God says about laziness or worry and anxiety. You think about the practical choices like in Ephesians 4 about that which the new man in Christ is to avoid, whether if it is lying and the abuse of the tongue or if it's the sexual sins in the heart of lust or, or the adultery that fills the heart. Maybe it's things such as drunkenness or carousing or abusing our bodies with certain things around us. Uh, choices in terms of godliness, about studying the Bible, about prayer, about humility, about putting others uh, before ourselves. Life choices matter. Uh, ignoring the consequences uh, leads to some very dangerous lifestyles. And think about this. How many. Maybe even how many of us suffered some consequences, some terrible consequences because of choices we made early on in our life. Uh, that it ne- wasn't necessarily impressed upon us that every single choice matters. And there are some choices that can make the difference in our life, who we are and who we become. You think of the, of the difference, if we kind of put it this way. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 22, Paul says, flee you full lust." And sometimes that's all we kind of hang our head on. Flee youthful, stay away from bad things. Don't pursue sin. But he verse by saying, but pursue godliness, faith, love, and peace with those who call in the Lord with a pure heart. And so it's not enough to stay away from evil because what some people do is they get as close to evil as they can. Right? I've not crossed the line. I'll drink and I won't get drunk. Uh, I'll, I'll get real close with the person I'm dating, but I won't cross the line. There won't be fornication. Those, those kind of practices. There's a difference between choosing to get close to sin without crossing the line and then choosing a path that pursues God. That every choice, I'm trying more than anything to honor and to please him. Uh, I'm trying to make decisions, to think thoughts, to say words. I'm trying to build a life that would result in someone who looks more like Jesus. And so life choices matter. Every choice matters. Uh, Think of how many stories in scripture we could use to illustrate this, of the power of one's choice and the consequences of one's choice. All the stories that come into mind, whether it's worship with Nadab and Abihu or Esau and and, and the temporary uh, pleasures over the long-term blessings, so many different stories can illustrate the power of, of this point. And so our choices matter, whether if it's choosing a job, choosing to marry, uh, choosing the, the, the career and the path in life, every choice every choice matters. That's number number six. Number seven is uh, the new man in Christ. Uh, we we might call this all sorts of different things. I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it. I just chose the new man in Christ because, in one sense, what we need to make sure we're teaching and instilling our children is the change that takes place by the grace of God, um, by God's grace. An old man is put to death, and a new man is born. In one sense, we need to do a real good job of teaching and instilling and impressing upon our children the power of the grace of God. Uh, Paul would use a phrase in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, We're working hard to make good choices. Uh, to live lives that are pleasing to God, Uh, to be a servant, that would be like the one in Matthew 25, who a master would say, well done, good and faithful servant. But at the end of the day, the only people who are gonna be in heaven are not perfect people. They are saved people, redeemed people, people who have received the grace of God. And our children need to know that. Uh, They need to know that they're not gonna live a perfect life and that one failure does not determine a lifetime. Failure does not have to be the end of one story. Uh, think of the redemptive stories of grace that we find through scripture, that people who who failed, who failed in such in such a, uh, terrible ways, and yet they still were able to be seen as faithful to God by his goodness and by his grace. And they made a change of their life. It's that Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 16, that a righteous man may fall seven times, but they rise again. And so we need to impress upon them that heaven is not about perfection about living a life perfectly and getting everything right all the time, although by our choices, we're trying to please God. But it is learning to trust all the more in his grace. And this new man, this new man that we're trying to be is not modeled after anything that is here. It's at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 that we're trying to be more and more like Jesus. Like Jesus in the way that we think. Like Jesus in the way that we we speak to one another. Like Jesus in our, our priorities that we set day by day. It's painting the picture for our children. Can you imagine tomorrow if Jesus were to take your shoes and to live in your place, what would that day look like? Because that's what we're trying to become. So we need to uh, to instill upon our children that. It's a balance there because they need to understand and appreciate the grace of God and how good it is to have God's grace and what it means to be forgiven and how thankful we ought to be. Uh, We're never gonna earn heaven. We're never gonna deserve it. But that grace came with such a terrible cost and a terrible price. And that grace then ought to motivate us to live godly lives as this new man. That's Titus chapter 2. That the grace of God uh, instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously uh, in this present age. And that's what we need to do. We need to allow that grace of God to keep making us new. And in that means we're teaching our children we always keep learning, always keep growing, always keep trying always keep striving. We might say it this way. By the grace of God, I am not who I used to be. By the grace of God, I'm not who I used to be. Praise the Lord. But I realize today I'm not all that I can be. And so I'll continue to press on, to press on towards that goal until the final day when my breath, my last breath is taken and I go on to be in glory. The new man who's being renewed day by day, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4. We're new. We're not who we used to be, and God's grace is to be praised for that. But don't stop making yourself new. Keep being renewed. Keep pursuing that, that, that goal of being more like Jesus day by day. That's number seven of the new man in Christ, the continual new man in Christ. All right, let's pause and see where we are right there. Okay. Uh,
0: very, very good thoughts. Uh, I don't, I don't see any uh, comments on, on Facebook. Ruben, do we have anything on zoom? Not about that. Um, about the, okay. yeah, the previous about, you know, not waiting too long to teach your, your, your children. Some of this stuff is someone said, don't man. wait. If if you don't teach them, someone else will fill the void. man. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is. They are being taught um, every time they turn on the television, when they hang out in the neighborhood, when they go to school, if they go to school, wherever they are, wherever they're being influenced, they go to work. Yeah. Um, they are being taught. So uh, ab- absolutely. Someone will fill that, that void and it will be, it will be uh, very influential. It will be well packaged, <laughs> persuasive. And uh, so, yeah, we, we um, absolutely have to take advantage of every moment. You know, as, as we think about that, uh, modeling that, um, I don't know, did you have some, some closing summary with after point eight? Okay. All right. So then I won't jump. Yeah. I don't want to jump ahead then, but I just think, you know, I just think about the new man in Christ as, as parents, we have to, we have to model that and we have to model grace living in our lives and administer grace Mm -hmm. to the children.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you were going to say more about that, but if if not, then I'll say something about it now. But if you're going to say more about it later, then I'll wait.
1: I do, but I I do want to hear what you have to say.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll wait. I'm good. I'm good with waiting. So um, Uh, Don't forget. um, (laughs) Roger Schaus, I think, is watching the wrong thing tonight. He says he's watching two amazing preachers. So. <laughs> hey, Roger! Oh,
1: Roger! Hey, yeah, I'm yeah jump on uh, in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> love you, Roger. Oh man, but yeah, this is this is so this is so good. If we think about um, sitting and having those discussions on a daily basis, of again, like you said, life choices. Um, sometimes sure. we have to, you know, talk about other other people, and it's not gossiping, mm-hmm. but saying, "Hey, you see what happened there." You know maybe something happened at church or you know they saw some situation and that you know something on the television and we have to maybe pause the streaming for a moment you know and say you see that choice you know so yeah absolutely yeah um well god was gospel when he talked gossip. about
1: uh esau or jacob you know <laughs> that's right that's right we, we can use real life stories yeah all the time
0: yeah store i mean we have the stories of the of the of the bible you know i remember um Bob Owen saying some uh, Sometimes find a, an example of somebody, whether in the scripture or in real life, of, of, the, of mm. the illustration that you're trying to teach, of the, of the concept that you're trying to teach. You know, so if it's yeah. about money or hard work or forgiveness or whatever that is, find there's examples all over the Bible. So find an example of that. Tell the story. You know, The stories in the Bible are amazing. Our kids right now are listening to First Kings, and they're getting a lot of, of life lessons You know, from men like Jeroboam and Rehoboam. <laughs> so amen yeah.
1: but you know to your point is that uh you know that you'll be hearing the news or just taking in secular stories you know we we watched pinocchio uh, the other day that's a great mm-hmm. illustration of life choices
0: yeah yeah that's right that's right um Yeah. I was, I mean, maybe summarized, made me think of, of Tom Hanks and, um, I watched the Elvis movie, which I'm probably not going to watch with the kids. I watched a filtered (laughs) version, you know, but still, I mean, you, that, you talk about a lesson on life choices and the people that you hang around with, you know, but there's times when even with your teenage kids, you know, you can say, Hey, see there, you know?
1: Um,
0: and and we've done that a lot. We've done that a lot with, with stories like that, you know? Um, but all right, well, Mm. listen, I'll just, uh, uh, jump off here and let you finish that eighth point and your, your closing thoughts, and then we'll jump back on for some more comments.
1: All right. Here we go. Final one. So maybe just a, a quick recap. We've uh, we looked at the eight things our kids need to know before they leave home. And so our eight things thus far have been the Bible, Jesus, the church, authority, relationships, choices, the continual new man, And then our number eight is evidences, or perhaps another way of saying it is the reason why. Uh, We are really good at teaching our children what they need to know. Sometimes we're not really good at telling them why they need to know it or why it's true. Uh, You need to know uh, that Jesus is the son of God, and that's true. They do. But we need to make sure we are also teaching them why Jesus is the son of God. What evidence is there? What reason is Jesus the son of God? Uh, they need to know that God created the world, but but why do we know that? Uh, what what evidence supports that? Uh, they need to know that we need authority for what we do today. That authority matters, and it will always matter. But they need to know why. Why does it matter? How do we establish that authority? How do we go about uh, determining whether something is is authorized by God, is is allowed by God or not. You think of that statement from 1 Peter 3. He says, verse 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And we need to be ready. Now, specific here, he's talking about hope. And that's all wrapped up in here, too. Our, Our children need to have the reason of the evidence of the hope we have. There's grace, understanding why God's grace is what it is, uh, what why God's grace exists, how he has made it known through the blood of Jesus. They need to know about heaven and that heaven is real and why we believe in heaven and the hope of heaven and, and eternal life. And so we need to be very careful. We're not just teaching the what, uh, what they need to know. We need to make sure that they know why. Uh, There was a quote I heard not long ago that there's a lot of young people who are talked out of what they believe because they were never talked into it in the first place. And so we need to make sure, brethren, what we believe is not a shot in the dark. Uh, Our faith is not blind, our faith is built on solid evidence that God has given through the Word. And if I don't know it, then I need to do some homework and I need to dig and I need to read so that when our children are getting deeper into these subjects, we can not just apply the what, the stories. We can supply the why, the book, chapter, verse, the reason, the evidence, the logical way of understanding the truth behind these subjects. Uh, they're going to ask a lot of questions relating to these. Uh, questions are a great thing, and we never need to discourage any questions when it uh, is regarding spiritual things. Really, we don't need to discourage any question at all in general, but especially about God or the Bible. Questions are how we learn. Questions are how we gr- are how we grow. We seem to be. Be very careful to make sure that we are supplying thoughtful convincing well-reasoned answers to their questions never dismiss it Uh, never offhand and never just say because i say so no it's because god said so and let's look to the book and let's find the reason why now this can be kind of daunting You, you look at these eight there's a lot of things that we need to teach our children before they leave home and as a father of three kids i feel that too i feel the pressure Uh, and uh, there's a lot more than just these eight. Hopefully, what that impresses upon us is at least, number one, we can't wait until they get close to leaving home to really start teaching on some of these things. Someone had a comment on that not long ago. That's absolutely right. If we want them to understand these truths, we got to start early and start impressing these these amazing truths into their lives and, and making it real and making it practical. What this may also indicate is an area of weakness in my life. There may be one of these eight that I'm not really strong on. I'm not really solid in. That there may be one area I know really well and another one I don't know very well. And this gives me a great starting place that I now see a path that I need to pursue and, and to become more, more read up on, more solid on, uh, so that I can teach and I can instill that to the next generation. Now, I wanna end with a few things uh, relating to these eight and, and how we teach and instill things to the next generation because it's on us. At the end of the day, our children learning and understanding and appreciating these truths that does not rely on the elders. That's not the elders job. It's not the preacher's job. It's not the Bible class teacher's job. It's not the college's job. It's our job, mom and dad's. It's That's our responsibility. Uh, anything else, anything in a Bible class or a sermon, it's just supplementary materials compared to the primary instruction that has to happen at home. And so if we're gonna teach this and we're gonna teach this to our children, we need to teach it convincingly. We, we need to make sure we're teaching it and teaching it well. Use good resources. Uh, resources. Make sure you're up to date. Make sure you are getting in the book and you're using logical evidence and logical reasoning for teaching these truths. So think about what was said in the book of Acts chapter 17, that when Paul uh, was reasoning about the resurrection of Jesus, it says in Acts 17, Uh, in verse 2, that according to Paul's custom, he went uh, to them, and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. He didn't say, I'm an apostle, so just take my word for it. I, I saw him on the road. No, he said, Jesus did rise from the dead, and I'm going to provide for you the evidence and the reason as to why it is. You need to believe that, and that's the same approach we need to have with our children. Uh, We want you to believe that God is real. We want you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and so we're going to explain and give the best evidence so that you will see it, and you will wrestle and reason with that same evidence, and you will draw a same logical conclusion. Truth has nothing to hide. Only error, fears, careful, and critical examination. Truth is not. Amen. Encourage questions. Uh, encourage investigation. Encourage them to explore and to wrestle with these truths. But we need to make sure we are teaching this truth and we're teaching it convincingly. Uh, done are the days because I say so. We need to make sure we are in here and filling, filling these children and their questions with full, thoughtful, reasonable answers. Part of this may be that we need to stock up on our library at home and we have good material at home. Uh, Again, we need to be careful with what we're reading, and mom and dads need to make sure we're looking at it first, but we need to make sure that there are so many great resources today that we can use at our disposal to help teach and illustrate and further prove the evidence that's out there for some of these truths. Uh, Same thing may be about bringing people in. Maybe going to gospel meetings in other areas of the town, maybe taking our kids to lectureships far away from where we are. But it's just, I want to make sure that they get this truth and they get it well in their hearts and their lives. And so I need to teach it and teach it well. But to the point that Aaron's going to further illustrate in just a moment, it's not just that we need to teach it and teach it well. And we need to teach it convincingly. We need to live it authentically. Uh, They will see what we are teaching before we ever say anything. They're going to see the teachings we are trying to share with them through the way that we are living. And our kids see everything. Our kids see everything. Uh, They they see who we are at home. They see what happens after worship when we get in the car. Uh, They see what happens at home. They see mom and dad in the time of crisis. Uh, They see when the marriage has a good day and a bad day. They see faith through your faith, through our faith. And as a comment just came out, and it was a great comment, they're going to see the times when they have a question and mom and dad don't always have the answer. And that is okay. It is okay to say I don't have every answer. There are some things that, that Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to men. And there's some things we may not know. And it's okay to say, I don't know right now. You asked a great question. Let's open our Bibles and let's explore that. Let's look further and deeper into that your children are going to see you struggle along the way. Don't, don't hide your struggles from them. They're going to see the grace of God through the way that you and I wrestle with the moments we fail and we fall. And we need to ask them for forgiveness sometimes along the way too, for the times that we fail, even then as parents, they need to be able to see our faith, our faith in times of crisis. I think back two years ago and, and When COVID hit in in times of difficulty, that was a great opportunity in a time of great uncertainty for faith to shine. I I don't know what's going on. I don't know how long this is going to last, but I know God is on the throne and I'm going to keep trusting in him and we're going to worship. We may not be with the brethren in the building, but that's not going to stop our our family from reading the Bible and worshiping God. They they need to see that. We've got to live this truth and live it authentically in our lives. And then we need to do so, so very lovingly and patiently. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that when we preach, we preach the word of God. He said, do so with patience. Uh, They're not going to get it overnight. And this is not turning on the fire hydrant and trying to get it all in at the last minute. We're going to teach it, but we're going to teach it lovingly, patiently. uh, But we're going to teach it as someone who wants more than anything for their children to know these things so they can know God and know the Lord. That's what I've got, Aaron. On to you.
0: That was beautiful, Matt. I really appreciate that, Jordan. So many good things to talk about, um, maybe setting us up for a, for another uh, time together as we follow up with some of these things. Uh, one thing Roger said, and I want to put this up here, uh, do we feed our faith or feed our doubts? And I thought, well, that's, that's really good. Uh, thanks Ruben for putting that up. Um, do we feed our faith or feed our doubts? And as we try to connect this idea of being authentic, yeah, we're going to have times of doubt and they're going to see that. Um, But Um, one of the things that, that I learned early on is, and I think every parent, if we're aware of you, the kid, like you said, the kids know they're going to see it. Uh, We can only hide so much and, and they are going to know what you're really passionate about. Um, Texas, um, they may think they have the corner on football, but I lived in Ohio for 11 years and you talk about <laughs> craziness about football. Okay. I mean, you know, you can tell what people are passionate about, right? And right. Uh, some people are That's really right. passionate about politics. Well, our kids mm-hmm. need to see us authentically passionate about a relationship with Jesus Christ, not just going to a church building, but having a a, a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus and it and Mm -hmm. that comes out in how we live and how we and again how we treat them you know i mean Mm -hmm. i know there's so much we could talk about bro but one of the things that i i believe is important when i think about romans 15 verse 7 receive one another just as christ received us and how much how more important can i mean think about parenting how important is it to to, to parenting to receive our child as christ received us Um, christ receives me and i don't get it all straight i'm never going to get it all right. I'm never going to get all the answers right on the test, but he receives me. That's right. Well, that's right. That's the same grace I need to extend to the children. Um, hmm. and uh so that, that's just if they know they're I mean, I don't know how many times Jordan I've talked to somebody and there's they're 60, 70 years old and they're still dealing with daddy issues. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause, Cause because of the lack of grace that I mean, I I, I can't count. The now, number of times where somebody wasn't accepted and treated as as mm-hmm. they should have been in the home, and it's still affecting them later in life. So if we just think about getting that right, like you said, that foundation, like you talked about early on, setting that foundation of of knowing Jesus and mm-hmm. and and modeling that grace in his, in your life and toward them. How important is that when they when they come home and say, wow. "Dad, I blew it tonight. I went too far."
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, but we've modeled the grace, <laughs> and so they have a safety to come home and talk to us.
1: That to me, I don't remember where I heard it. Um, and of course I would be maybe wrapped up in all of this. Um, maybe the ninth thing uh, which what well, I was okay. wrestling with today, uh, mm-hmm. is that if I, if I could instill anything in my kids on top of all these things, uh, is that you can never run uh, so far from my love. And you can always come home yeah. mm-hmm. because we will never run so far from the father's love. And he always welcomes us home.
0: Yeah. And homeless is a place. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I interrupted. You know, I. Um, there's a great book, Leaving the Light On and uh, that kind of concept. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. There's so much more we could talk about. Thank you everyone for your comments tonight. Uh, God bless you, Jordan. <laughs> and uh
1: thank you brother
0: yeah we'll we'll just plan on talking more about this and following up because there's so many more things as we just try to peel apart those those eight things there's a lot of things underneath that umbrella that we could uh spend some more time if you're willing to do that we could you know just plan for a month or so for now and from now and see what you think
1: Hundred percent. yes yes absolutely yeah Yeah, there may be eight new things at that point but yes we'll uh (laughs) <laughs> we'll
0: do it. <laughs> uh, well let's let's close with a prayer. We uh, look forward to seeing everyone next Monday night on the Monday night study, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. May God richly bless you. Let's close with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for uh, this lesson tonight. Thank you for Jordan. thank you for his heart. Thank you Father for um, these things that he's shown us from your word and help us as moms and dads, as grandparents to meditate upon these things, to to bring them into our homes, to think about them, to lay the foundation, to uh, talk our kids into these things so that others won't talk them out of it. We pray, Father, that you will help us to be impressed with the influence that we have, the lasting influence. Help us to be sober-minded about that and have an urgency. We pray Father that we will be filled with grace as we and mercy as we parent and as we deal with our grand uh, grandchildren that you will help us to to model the grace that you've given us that as you have received us that we receive them in the name of Jesus we pray amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast if you have any questions feel free to email me at aaron that's a aaron at shepherdingtalk.com thank you very much and have a great day.